What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the All in Man Cave podcast. As usual, it is me, Cole Haight. We are going to take a look at week four. Week four of the NFL season is in the books. Uh, We are also starting postseason MLB baseball, which means pretty soon Tyler's going to have to come back on, my buddy. My buddy Tyler is going to come back on, and we're going to do some postseason, some postseason projections. See what's going on. Uh, first game, first wild card game is the Yankees at the Red Sox. Uh, very good game. I'm going to give you guys a bet for that at the end of this podcast, as well as Monday Night Football, which is the only game that is not complete uh, through Week Four. So we'll get to that at the end of the episode. However, let's take a look at some of the games. Uh, actually, let's take a look at all of the games that happened uh, during week four. Like usual, we will go through uh, my Minnesota Vikings game. Uh, they did lose this week, unfortunately, but we will talk about that as usual as the last game uh, before we go into any of the projections for the Red Sox-Yankees game or the Monday Night Football game, which I'll give you guys some best bets. So let's start with the Washington football team taking down the Atlanta Falcons 34-30. Taylor Heineke comes out hot for the Washington football team. 290 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Terry McLaurin leads in in receiving with 123 yards and... Sick on six catches and two touchdowns. Uh, on the flip side, Matt Ryan, 283 yards passing, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Three out of those four touchdowns were to the former Viking, Cordero Patterson, with 82 yards receiving on five catches. Like I said, three of them being touchdowns and 34 yards rushing to go along with that as well. Washington's defense so far this season has been very, very overrated, especially with all the talk they had going into the season. They, they, they haven't looked good at all, which is reflects basically their record. The, the defense was good enough today to get them the victory against a very, a very subpar team in the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan actually looked good today. He hasn't looked good. Basically all season, uh, Kyle Pitts, another game not expected uh, to be as bad as he had, especially against uh, tight ends. The Washington football team has not been good, so expected Kyle Pitts to be good. Anybody who has Kyle Pitts in fantasy, we will talk about him in the fantasy segment. However, just not a good game in general for the Falcons. They're just not they're not firing on all cylinders and trust me I understand how that is as a football team. I'm not saying the whole team is terrible. They have playmakers on both sides of the football. They're just not working coercively as a team. This year even it not being a COVID year, it, it, it's COVID still happening. It's not the same as as 2020 was. However, it seems like a lot or a decent amount of, of football teams in the NFL right now look like they have enough talent on both sides of the football, but they're just not they're not performing to what everybody expects them to, to perform to. So it, 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 take it for what it is. Uh, good win by the football team. Uh, awesome name. I hope they don't change it, but... It's not the expectation that that everybody expected, uh, ironically and weirdly enough, as I can state that. Um, the thing is, is is the Falcons are going to struggle, especially in that division this year. 
and and Matt Ryan looks like he's he's not he's pulling a Big Ben right now, which we who we will get into in, in later on when we go over the Steelers game. The thing is, it's just it's it's not good enough. And and uh, I'm sorry for all the Falcons fans out there, but but Matt Ryan's not good enough for your football team right now. You, you have you have you're wasting talent on offense and on defense. I feel like it, the defense itself uh, as a unit is getting neglected in terms of players that they could pick up that are available or draft. All right, moving on to the next complete ass whooping. Pardon my French. The Buffalo Bills beat the Texans 40 to 0. I now bring this up because I told you guys in my preview segment that there's no possible way that I could possibly take a team minus 17. Well, I probably should have, so I apologize. Josh Allen, not an amazing day. 248 yards passing, two touchdowns, one pick. Stephon Diggs led in receiving yards with 114 on seven receptions. And Dawson Knox, their tight end, caught both of Josh Allen's two touchdown passes. Dawson Knox, good player. Uh, he's, a, he's a great route runner. Love him. On the flip side, the Texans, Davis Mills, awful day. Welcome to the league, Mr. Rookie. Uh, he was thrown into the fire last week against the Panthers, who were still hot on defense. He looked absolutely terrible, and I don't know if it was just him looking terrible, that team being terrible, or the Buffalo Bills defense, which we will talk about in a minute. But 87 yards total passing in the entire game, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. The whole team, the whole Texans team had 48 yards rushing, and including the sack yards uh, that would come off of the yards that Davis Mills uh, passed four. Uh, they had a total of less than 100 yards on offense. The Texans are not a good team. Uh, we knew that that was going to happen. The Deshaun Watson thing doesn't help them at all. That trade rumor is starting to kick back up with multiple teams. We're going to talk about that later in the week on a on, on another episode. But the the I think that the defense for the Bills is carrying them through games. Last week. It, Josh Allen didn't look amazing, uh, and they, they blanked a team. Now they blank another team. So we'll see. Both teams were struggling. Uh, granted, you got to give them kudos. The Bills have been outscoring their opponents by an outrageous amount. So you got to give them kudos. You got to you got to clap your hands for the performance that the Bills are putting on. And Sean McDermott's an amazing coach, which is putting them in a perfect spot to win these football games. And that's all you can really ask for. Statistics don't tell you how good a team played, but they can tell you a decent amount depending on the type of team you are. So Kirk Cousins, for example, it's easy to relate it to my own football team. He, he could throw for 400 yards and we can lose by 25. That That's all fine and dandy. But I'd rather him not throw for 400 yards and win the football game. So that's basically what it comes down to. Moving on. The Bears defeat the Lions 24-14. Jared Goff, 299 yards, passing most of that in garbage time because they were down by at least three scores for most of this football game. Uh, two touchdowns, zero picks for him. Khalif Raymond with both of the touchdown passes by Jared Goff. Khalif Raymond's a good player. Uh, we're going to talk about him. Uh, I, I hate to keep bringing this stuff up, but uh, if I if I divulge all of the fantasy things that I have in my brain right now we're not going to have an episode for Wednesday so I'm going to hide that and wait and and hold off on that until Wednesday 
Uh, he had both of those touchdown passes. Justin Fields uh, only attempted 17 passes, completed 11 of those for 209 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. Uh, David Montgomery, 106 yards and two touchdowns rushing. Uh, he did get dinged up in the fourth quarter. Not sure exactly how that's going to go. I'll take a look into what I can figure out for that for the injury seg- the injury episode on Wednesday. As well as Damian Williams, who plugged in for him as the backup uh, that from over, coming over from Kansas City, uh, he came over. Now he's the backup for the Chicago Bears. Uh, came in eight carries, 55 yards and a touchdown. Nothing more you can ask from your your backup running back coming in in the fourth quarter and giving you some solid stats. So great game by him. We need to take a look at Justin Fields. So. Justin Fields played way worse than than what it looks like. So so Justin Fields made some sketchy throws in this game. Uh, I saw a lot of them on uh, red zone as I was moving through a few of the games. Uh, I was away for the weekend, so it was hard for me to take a look at all these games like I normally would be able to do if I was at my own house watching the games. However, Justin Fields right now is looking worse than most of the rookie quarterbacks so far. And by looking worse, I mean that includes them all. So Zach Wilson came out in the first few weeks. We'll get to him in a minute. He looked like the worst and and the biggest bust potential out of all of the, the quarterbacks. I don't think Justin Fields has a grasp on this offense yet, which is why I 100% agree with Andy Dalton continuing to start on this team if he's healthy. Uh, he was not healthy going into this game, so you had no choice but to put Fields in unless you thought Nick Foles gave you a better chance to win, Which case, in which case I think that that is not true. I'm not the biggest Nick Foles fan. We could talk about that at a later time because I could literally talk about that for 25 minutes. But Justin Fields needs more time in this offense. Uh, and I don't think the way the offense and Matt Nagy is calling plays now is being fair to his development. I think the offense is tailored more towards Andy Dalton. Uh, in terms of the way plays are called, how often each play is called, each type of play. It's not exactly the way Justin Fields would prosper. It's basically like calling RPOs with Matt Ryan. Uh, that's the only way. That's the best way I can literally think about describing it. It just doesn't look right. It, it, it doesn't look right. The Bears have been a ground and pound, play action, throw the ball, and Justin Fields seems like he has more success in the in the shotgun uh, and being able to run the ball more than they want him to. So we'll keep an eye on that. There's always weird NFC North games. It's never legitimately how good the teams are. The Bears play could be three and thirteen in a random year uh, and be playing the Vikings with all their starters in, and they could destroy them. And then the the Packers play the Lions in Week 15, and the Lions have one win, and they come out and look strong and end up winning the game. The NFC North has always been very odd in terms of games against each other within the division. It doesn't matter if the team is good, the team is bad. It really doesn't matter. Uh, so that, that's always been a thing. Uh, and the Lions were out in this game. They scored two garbage time touchdowns. Like They, they were completely shut down by the, the Bears defense, who came out and looked good in this game. So a lot of a lot of good things coming out of that for the Bears. You've got your 2-2. Two and two. 
Uh, you're still 500, even with all the weird stuff that's happened with you guys at quarterback. And some of the weird stuff that's happened with the Lions team in general, you don't really know. So, And I think it's too early to start making really ballsy decisions. So, uh, good game by the Bears. Um, and, and the Lions still have fight in them. So, we'll see what happens moving forward with both of those teams. Next on the list, the Cowboys beat the Panthers, who were undefeated coming in. 36-28. to 28. That game is a lot closer than it actually was. I remember checking my phone and in the end about the end of the third quarter it was 36 to 14 so a lot of garbage time touchdowns in that game as well Dak Prescott 188 yards passing four touchdowns zero picks uh they ran for 200 yards between both their running backs uh Ezekiel Elliott 143 of those with a touchdown Tony Pollard had the other 69 uh, no other 67 or 57 something like that Sam Darnold on the flip side, 301 yards, a little bit inflated based on the garbage time. Two touchdowns, two picks, two rushing touchdowns to go along with his two passing touchdowns. DJ Moore had both of those with 113 yards receiving. We learned a lot from both of these teams in this game, and I it sickens me to say it because uh, I'm not the biggest Dallas Cowboys fan, and by not the biggest, I mean I'm kind of a hater. The problem is... The Dallas defense is better than I thought it was. And I thought that they were going to have the worst defense in the division. And I thought that there was going to be a lot of games they were going to lose because of the defense. And it doesn't seem like through the first four weeks that that's going to be a thing. Now, granted, they haven't played the best teams. They did beat the Chargers. Um, and they competed in the game at the Bucks. In week one, but I don't. We need you need to keep an eye on the Dallas defense because I don't. I think Trayvon Diggs is off to a fast start, but I don't think he's going to keep this up. He's got multiple picks in the last two games, so keep an eye on the Dallas defense. Dak Prescott does is going to do enough to win, and I like Dak Prescott. He's probably my favorite Cowboy on that entire team. C.D. Lamb was nowhere to be found in this game. Uh, they couldn't find really anything offensively through the air. Dak didn't have a good completion percentage in this game. They relied on the run, which is good to see. For If you're a Cowboys fan, it's good to see that you're balanced and you're able to do that considering Ezekiel. people were ready to put Ezekiel Elliott on the, on the cross and crucify him based on the way that he's played the, last, the past few years. But it's just... And, and Sam Darnold looked like Sam Darnold in this game. Like the OG Sam Darnold, not 3-0 and Sam Darnold. A lot of 3-0 and teams went down this week. A lot of them did. And another one can go down tonight, and being the Raiders. So it, it seems like this football season was a bit inflated through the first three weeks in terms of how these teams were playing against certain opponents. So that's something you definitely need to take into consideration when making bets, when making picks in fantasy football. It's just a lot going on in this season, and I think there was a lot of hype coming back from the COVID season going into the following season. Good game good game to watch, honestly, uh, whether you're a Panthers fan or a Dallas fan because the Panthers have not been very, very good in a while. But a good game regardless. And, and good win by the Cowboys.
Next on the list, the Colts beat the Dolphins 27-17. Carson Wentz, 228 yards passing, two TDs, no picks. Jonathan Taylor, 103 yards rushing with a rushing touchdown. And both Carson Wentz's touchdowns, both to Mo Alley-Cox, one of my favorite tight ends, I love Mo Alley-Cox. The dreads, I love him. I liked him in college. People said that he was going to be terrible in the NFL. I love him. I love Mo Alley-Cox. He used to play basketball in college as well. I love him. And on the flip side, Jacoby Brissett, another subpar game, especially in terms of Miami Dolphins fans who are probably shitting their pants, pardon my French, right now because their team looks like they are a puzzle that can never be put together. Jacoby Brissett, 199 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks, both of those in garbage time, most of those yards in garbage time as well. Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker, both with a touchdown each. Uh, Good to see Mike Gusecki, the Penn State alum. Good to see him catching a touchdown. Uh, He's had a, a pretty slow start. Uh, by Miami Dolphins fans and by most football fans to the beginning of this season for him. But Devontae Parker, good to have him back in the mix. Nobody knows how long Tua is going to be out with the fractured ribs. They, it, it, I'm going to give an update on that. Uh, I will have one uh, by the injury episode uh, on Wednesday or Thursday, one of the two. But I don't I don't see that much of a difference between Tua and Jacoby Brissett, honestly, between the fact that one of them throws the ball with their left hand versus the right hand. They can't run the ball. They were able to run the ball with Miles Gaskin. They were able to run the ball with Ahmed. They were able to run the ball last season, and now all of a sudden they cannot run the football. Now I get it, the Colts' defense is solid, but they're not that solid up front. Like they they have they have players. It's just you should be able to run the ball for more than forty yards in a game. I just I just don't get that. And and Miami can't just continuously just have Jacoby Brissett drop back and just be like, okay, figure it out. Someone will be open. No, that's not how it works. And especially coming from a a Bill Belichick coach, I just I don't. I don't trust the Dolphins right now. And if Dolphins fans, I'd be scared. I'd be scared right now. You guys need to turn around. Your defense isn't playing well. It's similar to the Washington football team. If I had to compare them, I'd compare them to the Washington football team. And and their defense was coming into this season being a top five defense, similar to Washington. And if you don't even want to say top five defense, they at least were supposed to have the best defense in the NFC East. That's not necessarily even true. So, not don't know how to don't know where I'm going to go from here on on Miami, but we'll see. We'll see if Tua comes back, if he comes back, how he comes back, because they need something to spark themselves on offense. Next, we're going to go through both the New York teams with a big win. New York Giants first beat the Saints 27-21. to Daniel Jones, 402 yards passing. Very impressive for Daniel Jones. Two touchdowns, one interception. Saquon Barkley, 52 rush yards, 74 receiving yards. And a, he had a touchdown each, rushing and receiving. 
Kenny Galladay led in reception yards with 116 on six receptions. Good to see that Kenny Galladay's in the mix for being the best receiver on that team because they really didn't have another choice with Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard getting dinged up before this game. So good to see that Kenny Galladay's over. He's he's in this game and he and he's a force to be reckoned with because they're going to need him if if both of those receivers in Slayton and Shepard are going to be missing decent amount of time. Jameis Winston, two hundred twenty six yards passing, one touchdown, zero picks. Alvin Kamara. 120 yards rushing on 26 attempts. He did not catch the ball out of the backfield. I have no idea. I would love for one of you guys out there listening to look this stat up. I want to know the last time that Alvin Kamara did not have a reception in a football game. Because I have no idea when that would have been. That's insane. I can't. He's involved in the screen game. They they swing him out wide. They give him... He catches four or five passes a game. Why did he not even get a target in this game? Or he didn't even have a target. This is the kind of stuff that Saints fans didn't think about when they were like, oh, yeah, we want Jameis Winston. Well, you wanted him, so let's see what happens. You're 2-2 two and two now. So, I mean, Taysom Hill had two rushing touchdowns for you. That's Taysom Hill. He's a gadget guy. They probably put them in. I didn't specifically see them, the two the two touchdowns. However, I can almost guarantee you that they were inside the five-yard line. I mean, if they weren't, I'm sorry, Taysom Hill and Saints fans out there. However, they, there's a very good chance they were inside the five-yard line. Do So all of the things that we've seen from the New York Giants coming up to this game, do we forget about them? Or do we just assume that now Daniel Jones has this potential? Now, the Saints defense is a solid defense. They're missing some key pieces, which you can bring up and roast me for later. But Daniel Jones is playing for his job. There's a lot of teams out there that have starting starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now that are playing for their job. Daniel Jones is one of them. This is a good game for him. To beat the Saints in New Orleans, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good game for Daniel Jones to have under his belt. Now, do I think this is going to help them win the NFC East? No. Saquon looked like he was, I mean, he got it. He had one really big catch for for over fifty yards, but is Saquon looked like he was okay in this game, especially against a solid Saints defense. But they're talking about Saquon. People are talking about Saquon on the trading block. That's insane. If you get rid of Saquon, his potential is half of your offense right now based on the way Daniel Jones has been performing. You you can't do that. There's no way that you can do that. Now, if you get a first-round pick for him, maybe. But the way the Giants have performed the last few years, I don't know if they can make that ballsy decision. Or whoever makes that ballsy decision is going to have a lot of stuff to talk about if it don't work out. Next on the list, the New York Jets, 27. They get their first win beating the Titans by three. 
Titans score 24. Jets win by three. Zach Wilson, 297 yards passing, two touchdowns, one pick. Corey Davis, 111 yards receiving on four catches, one of them being a touchdown. And Jamison Crowder comes in and gets his first touchdown reception of the season. On the flip side, Ryan Tannehill, 298 yards passing, one TD, zero picks. Derrick Henry, two catches for 20 yards to go along with 157 yards rushing on 33 carries and one TD. The Jets get their first win of the season. Congrats to the New York Jets fans. The Titans defense is exactly what I told you all they were going to be. Terrible. The Titans have played in a lot of solid games so far this season, and they lose to the Jets. With Derrick Henry having a good game and Tannehill almost throwing for 300 yards, that is a problem. That is a huge problem. Thankfully, their whole division is terrible. So the fact that the Colts are bad, the Jags are bad, and the Texans are bad, the Titans can get away with playing like this. I wish that my football team could get away with playing like this in my division, but they cannot. So their defense is going to haunt them. And and I swear, if I've, I've already told you guys that I would take the over in every Chiefs game, which hit again, which we'll get to in the next. We're going to go over the Chiefs next. I would take the over in the Titans game almost every week unless they're playing the number one defense because they're going to give up at least 35. This game they gave up less because the Jets' offense is not that good. They gave up 27 to the Jets. What are are they giving up to the Cardinals? 59. I don't know. Something high, though. All right, let's move on right to the Chiefs. Chiefs win in Philadelphia, 42-30. to Patrick Mahomes, five touchdowns, one interception, 278 yards passing. Carl, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Clyde Edwards sorry, 102 yards rushing, 12 yards receiving, and one receiving touchdown on two catches. Tyreek Hill with a big day, 186 yards receiving on 11 catches, three touchdowns. So anybody who had him in fantasy, oh my lord. You had close to 50, if not over, depending on what those rules in your league or what have you. Jalen Hurts, 387 yards. A lot of that's catch-up, so it's not 100% amazing defense, especially by the Chiefs who already struggle to play defense. So Devontae Smith, 122 yards receiving on seven catches. Kenneth Gainwell, their rookie, 31 rushing yards and a touchdown, as well as 58 receiving yards on six catches. This is the issue, right? And you can sum this up. If, if I had a segment, which I might consider making for this podcast, is describing one, describing the recap games in one phrase, the best offense won. Done. Both of these defenses are terrible. They're both absolutely horrendous. And I'm not saying statistically. I'm saying, like, potentially. Like, it's their defenses are bad. Like, that's just what it is. The Chiefs have given up a lot of points. Probably the most in the league. I'm, I'm, don't quote me on that. But they've given up a lot of points in this season. Almost, I'm pretty, much, I'm pretty sure they've given up 30 a game, if I'm not mistaken, since, since the beginning of the season. That's not good. And if your defense or your offense struggles a little bit, just enough, you might end up losing a game by one or two. They've already lost two. So, and 
listen, I, there's a lot for me to bring up something that the Chiefs struggle with uh, because, number one, their football team is way better than my football team. Number one. Number two, Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback. But my question to the Chiefs coaching staff is, why can Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill not both have a good game in the same game? And and you, you can't tell me that the, every defense is playing them one, either playing one or playing the other. It's it's the targets that I'm worried about. It's it's that they're both not targeted in every game, and you can't tell me that they're not. They can't come up with plays. It's Andy Reid. You can't tell me they're not coming up with plays. Eric Bieniemy's not coming up with plays for both Kelsey and Hill on a weekly basis. Yesterday, Travis Kelsey had five targets. Tyreek Hill had eleven receptions. Not to mention the tar. I don't have the number right in front of me, but not to mention the amount of targets he had. Now, what I really like to see from the Chiefs right now is the fact that they can run the football, which they haven't been able to do in years on a consistent basis, which will help them even better, which will help them even more gain an offensive repertoire to go into these games where they struggle doing exactly what they want to do, where they know they can give the ball to Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Daryl Williams or whoever they put in at running back. They're going to be able to come in and do that. If they're able to do that, they're going to continuously win games. And I think they're going to get back in in the AFC West. Like, I believe in the Chiefs. There's no reason why I wouldn't. Their defense does struggle in games. But guess what? If they can run the football with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and he doesn't fumble the football, that's another thing they got to worry about. Patrick Mahomes can throw the ball 18 times, five of them being touchdowns. And they can continuously win games like they have in in the past two years. That's it. The Eagles are struggling. And they're going to struggle. Because their defense does not look good. They're going to continuously struggle. It's just not good. All right, moving on. The Cardinals beat the Rams by 17, 37-20. Kyler Murray stays hot. Not with a lot of passing yards, but being very efficient. 268 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero picks. James Conner with two rushing touchdowns to go along with Chase Edmonds, also at running back, with 120 rush yards. A.J. Green and Max Williams both with a touchdown each. Matt Stafford on the flip side, 280 yards passing, two touchdowns, one pick. Van Jefferson and Robert Woods with the touchdowns for Matt Stafford. Daryl Henderson had 89 rush yards to lead them in rushing. One thing I really want to take away from this that a lot of people probably are not talking about right now is I never even realized until late yesterday, honestly, how good the complimentary running backs are for the Cardinals. If you got James Conner, who's more of a power back, and Chase Edmonds, who can catch swing passes similar to an Alvin Kamara type, maybe with a little less skill. But he can run the ball between the tackles and and catch swing passes and and go outside. That's an amazing duo running back. Nobody's talking about the running backs on the Cardinals right now. They're talking about DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore, the dude who can break records as a track athlete running a 4 2 40 
And they're talking about Christian Kirk, who's just as fast. They got two players that can both run sub 4340s. They're not talking about the running backs. That's amazing. And they smoked the Rams. Now, the Cardinals need to figure out what they're going to do on defense. Because today it worked. Whatever they did, it worked. But they didn't look good against the Vikings on defense. They played multiple games before that that didn't look good. They're giving up a lot of points, which needs to stop. If they can give up only 20, if you could tell me right now that the Cardinals will score more than 20 points in every game, would you take that bet on DraftKings? I don't care what the odds are. I'm taking that bet. They're going to score more than 20 in every game, guaranteed. I don't care who they're playing. I literally don't. They're they're going to they're going to beat it. They're definitely going to beat it. So, they just they just need to figure out how to play good enough. And with all the playmakers they have on defense with Buda Baker, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones, they got Isaiah Simmons, uh the middle linebacker that's been playing well for them that they drafted 2 years ago. They they just need to play good enough. They're 4-0, they're leading that division. They're the one team I thought wouldn't win that division. Look at that. Look how the NFL works. That's why projections are projections and stats are stats. The stats are real and they happen after the games happen. Projections are what I think is going to happen and most of the time it doesn't happen. But, you know, you live, you learn, and you make another projection. That's why I love sports and the NFL. Next on the list, staying in the NFC West. Seattle Seahawks win by seven against the 49ers, 28-21. Russell Wilson, 149 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks, and one rushing touchdown. DK Metcalf and Freddie Swain, one touchdown each for both of Russell Wilson's passing touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo started the game, 165 yards, one TD, one pick. Trey Lance then enters the game and gets almost as many snaps as Jimmy Garoppolo. Hint, hint, look for that. Trey Lance had 157 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Trey Sermon, great game by him. Uh, He got dinged up early in the season. Great to see Trey Sermon in there. Uh, They've had no solidarity at running back. They've had injuries. They've had people in, people out, people upset, people not practicing. Uh, The 49ers have been not able to to be solid at running back. Good to see uh, them have some production at the running back position. And Debo Samuel, another amazing game. Uh, One of the most underrated wide receivers in the league right now, Debo Samuel. Great wide receiver. Great hands. His size. He lacks size, which is why people don't talk about him. That's not an issue. Um, It's not an issue for a lot of wide receivers out there. So the people that are just pretty much attacking Debo for not being able to grow tall enough, uh, figure it out. Like, the dude didn't grow enough. He's a great wide receiver. Figure it out. You, You all the hate for Debo, I don't I don't believe in. He had two touchdowns as well. Trey Lance came in on his third pass and hit Debo on like a over 70-yard touchdown pass. It was beautiful. This is going to be the time. And this entire week moving up to the next 49ers game is going to bring every single football fan that is a 49ers fan out praying for Trey Lance to start. They don't want Jimmy G anymore. It's been awkward uh, between a lot of 49ers blogs that I've read, some of the stuff between some of the beat writers I've seen. 
Uh, John Middlecoff and Guy Haberman, the podcast I listen to all the time, they're, they cover the Niners and the Raiders a lot. It, it, there's a lot of hate going to Jimmy Garoppolo, and for good reason. When you have Trey Lance that's ready to throw, play like this, like don't don't get me wrong, like he was 9 of 16. So, yes, you can hit him on completion percentage, but the man can make plays, and, and he ran for 40 yards on seven carries. He can make plays. So, listen, you're paying Jimmy G $26 million. If I'm a 49ers fan right now and Jimmy G is on that roster next year, I'm losing my mind. Right now, I'm a Vikings fan, and Kirk Cousins, is. I'm paying him $38 million with a four over $40 million cap hit. He better not be on my roster. Figure it out. Like, he's not good enough. We'll, we'll talk about the Vikings in a minute, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't, you, it's, he cannot be a backup getting paid $26.5 million. And he's going to want more money. Everybody always wants more money. Yeah, you could ask Jimmy G. Yeah, take a $16, $16 million a year pay cut. Yeah, what do you think he's going to do? Kick rocks is what he's going to do, which is what you guys want anyway as 49ers fans. Trey Lance looks good enough. Bring him in. Next on the list, the Ravens destroy the Broncos 23-7. to Lamar Jackson, 316 yards passing, one touchdown, zero picks. 28 rush yards to go along with seven rushes, which is very interesting for Lamar Jackson to have a subpar rushing day. However, Hollywood Brown, one TD receiving, and Latavius Murray with one touchdown rushing. On the flip side, Teddy Bridgewater, 65 yards, one TD, zero picks, got dinged up, had to leave the game, replaced by Drew Locke, who I have never been a fan of. 113 yards for Drew Locke, zero touchdowns, one interception. No surprise there. Drew Locke came in and lost this game for them. Basically, their defense played more subpar than they've been through the first three wins of the season. However, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't lose games. Drew Locke does. He comes out. He throws balls he throws. They get tipped. They get picked. He gets blamed for it. That's Drew Locke, which is why he's not starting since the beginning, since week one. Since week one, he hasn't been starting, but since a few weeks before the preseason. Drew Locke has not been starting football games. Why? Because he makes these crappy decisions at quarterback. You can't make decisions like that. He has so much potential. If Drew Locke would not throw picks, I would love him on my football team. Big arm, decently mobile in the pocket can get outside and still throw it. Like, I would kill to have that as a quarterback on my football team. But stop making decisions like that. You you can't do that. And you're losing this game. Your defense can't win you every game of the season. We tried to do it with Case Keenum in 2017, Minneapolis miracle year. We tried to. Our defense carried us through multiple games. You know what happened when our defense got, like, went through some adversity? We lost 38-7 to in Philadelphia to Nick Foles. It's going to get you so far, and then it's going to plummet. It's not going to work. You can't do it. You can't do it. Lamar Jackson looked good passing in this game. Hollywood Brown's touchdown catch, amazing layout. Awesome. Another wide receiver that's small that can still play. Everyone talks shit on Hollywood Brown. Why? 
He's just not tall enough. Sorry. Put him in the slot. Don't put him outside. That's very simple. My buddy, huge Chiefs fan, he went to the Eagles game not too long ago. You know what I've been telling him for multiple years? Now, even before Patrick Mahomes was there, I said, what happens when you just put Tyreek in the slot? Why would you put him outside? You want to put a, you want to put a safety or a linebacker on Tyreek? Um, what? Corners can't cover him. How the hell are safeties or linebackers going to cover him? It's, un- it's unbelievable. Put your small receivers in the slot. It's very simple. If they don't know how to do it, tell them to learn it. It's very simple. All right, off my soapbox. Now into the next game. Packers beat the Steelers, unfortunately, 27-17. to Aaron Rodgers, 248 yards through the air. Two touchdowns, zero picks, and he had a rushing touchdown as well. Randall Cobb had both of his passing touchdowns, which is interesting. Very interesting. Big Ben, 232 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick. Najee Harris, 62 yards on the ground, one touchdown to go along with 29 reception yards on six receptions. Deontay Harris had the lone touchdown catch, um, or sorry, lone touchdown pass by Ben Roethlisberger on 92 yards receiving. The Steelers struggled against the Green Bay defense. What? Jair Alexander got hurt in this game. Kevin King is hurt. Who is playing corner or who's playing defensive back for the Green Bay Packers right now? I have no idea. Not a clue. I have no idea. How can you not even throw? They were down by two touchdowns in this game. It's basically the start of the second half. How are you not able to throw the football against the Green Bay Packers? I don't get it. I don't understand. This is not an NFC North game. If Kirk Cousins can't throw against the Green Bay Packers, I get it because NFC North games are weird. They're off the Steelers offensive line is not terrible. They're good enough, which means against a subpar pass rush and against a defensive backfield that is awful and missing two components, not two key components because Kevin King is terrible, but at least he knows the plays and knows the checks. Like, I'm, I'm so confused as to why he wasn't able... Big Ben is in trouble. Like, he's going to get benched. <laughs> like, I, if, if I was them, I would consider starting Dwayne Haskins for him. At least Dwayne Haskins has a very high ceiling and a very low floor. Right now, Ben Roethlisberger's ceiling is so low that his floor looks higher. It, it, makes, it makes no sense the way he's playing right now. I don't get it. And I don't know why they would bring him back to watch him play like this. There's no way they didn't see this shit. There's no way. There's no way they didn't see this coming. And Najee Harris, loved the guy. Loved him coming out of Alabama. I thought he was underrated coming out. And I really thought that they needed him to, to win football games. Najee Harris is the reason they're in football games. He's doing whatever it takes, getting the running up the middle for three yards every play. Catching these passes, these swing passes that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't want to hang in the pocket, getting hit. Najee Harris is carrying this offense. The Steelers need to figure out what the heck is going on. Because Mike Tomlin's never been under 500. Well, guess what? They're 1-3 right now. And the way they're playing right now, there is not a chance in hell that they, they get to 500 in this season. They are not getting the nine wins playing like this. Not happening. 
Aaron Rodgers with another good day, decent day. His completion percentage a little bit low. Uh, listen, the, the Green Bay's winning football games, so it's it's not a problem. When they start losing football games, it'll be a problem. That's the way Green Bay operates. That's just the way they operate. And and if you guys have been, anybody listening out there has been what, watching football for the last 15 years with Rodgers at quarterback, it, it, it needs to be a problem before it's addressed, even if you can see it coming. So uh, we'll take a look on that. The one thing I do want to point out before moving on is that A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones got the same amount of carries in this football game. Not only is that a fantasy scare, but that's like a, whoa, what is happening? They both had 15 carries in this game. A.J. Dillon for 33 more rushing yards than a, than Aaron Jones. Um, What? I don't know if it was just scheme, the fact that they were up by a lot. I, I I didn't take a huge, like I said, I wasn't able to watch that game as much as I would like to have. Uh, since I took the, I told you guys to take the Steelers plus six and a half because I thought that they would be able to keep up. Obviously, they did not, but that's very interesting that, that A.J. Dillon had to, I would assume that if they were up, A.J. Dillon was in because Aaron Jones didn't need to be in. But if it wasn't that way, then there might be an issue there that we might need to take a look at, at least for fantasy statistics. Next, the Sunday night game. The Buccaneers come out on top, 19-17 to over the Patriots. Tom Brady beats Belichick. At basically no, like he didn't, he didn't make them win. Let's just make that very clear. Tom Brady, 269 yards passing, no touchdowns, no picks, 50% completion, actually a little over 50. He was 22 of 43. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones combined 116 yards rushing. Uh, Ronald Jones with the rushing TD, the only touchdown for the Buccaneers. Uh, Leading in receptions and reception yards will be Mike Evans with 75 yards and on seven receptions. Mac Jones, decent day against Tom Brady. I thought Mac Jones would be a little bit flustered coming into this game, uh, but playing for Alabama apparently prepares you for playing against Tom Brady, which is what I was told today at the gas station on the way home from work. That is the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. Preparing at Alabama prepares you to play against Tom Brady. What? That is the most erroneous statement I've ever heard in my life. Literally. Literally. Unbelievable. But could, we will continue. Mac Jones, 275 yards passing, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, both of their pickups in the offseason, uh, both had a touchdown each receiving. New England rushed the ball eight times in this game for negative one yards. Now, once again, traveling yesterday and didn't get a chance to watch the beginning of this football game. But I did see that the the New England Patriots in the first quarter were up by four. They were up seven to three in the first quarter. Why did they only rush the ball eight times for negative one yards? If you're asking me, without seeing it, 100% seeing it, because I did not pay for Game Pass. So I cannot go through and look. I could look at the highlights, but it's not going to tell me what I want to see. I would have to look through the whole game, and I don't have that availability right now. However, this was a Bill Belichick plan. 
Now, everybody knows that the Buccaneers' front seven, ba- yeah, basically their front seven is probably number one in the league right now. And not even right now, but for the past year and a half. So he decided to say, screw it. I'm not going to run a single play. I'm going to pass with Mac Jones, and I'm going to put it in his hands. Mac Jones did great under that pressure because I feel like that happened before the game started. He pulled Mac Jones aside and said, listen, we ain't running. We're going to pass against this team that's struggling in the back end. There's no point in me running the ball, so I cannot protect you by giving you play-action passes. Like The play-action game was irrelevant. It was, uh, Damian Harris had four rushes for negative four yards. So I feel like they tr- they may have tried in the first drive and it was just like, nope, ain't happening. That's pretty impressive from a quarterback that was getting dinged for his leadership, his ability to move in the pocket, his ceiling in terms of an overall statistics and an overall quarterback. That's impressive to see from Mac Jones. And honestly, in a lot better position, the the Patriots are 1-3, and yes. But Mac Jones makes them look better than they are. And it's impressive to watch him perform that way because I'll tell you damn straight right now, I'd rather have Mac Jones than Zach Wilson. Just saying. Sorry, all you Jets fans, but I would way rather have that I'd way rather have the way Mac Jones has performed in every football game and no matter what the situation was versus Zach Wilson right now. And to be fair, for Zach Wilson, we don't know how he would perform with a half-decent team because they've either been hurt, had COVID, or their team overall is just terrible. But right now, Mac Jones looks like the, the most solid quarterback out of the bunch. Trevor Lawrence is struggling. Like... Zach Wilson's struggling. Trey Lance isn't starting. Justin Fields doesn't look that good, and he didn't start. And the, the and the Bears came out and said that if Danny Dalton's healthy, he's starting. So what do you what do you make of that? They got rid of Cam Newton. Literally got rid of him, even as a veteran presence, and said Mac Jones just run this. Now they do have Brian Horry to be a veteran presence, but Jaron Stidham ain't no competition. So I'm impressed with Mac Jones. I'm impressed with Mac Jones, and and today at work, I got I got a big, big Tom Brady fan. He's a New England Patriots fan, but loves Tom Brady. He's been a fan since before they started winning. Uh, shout out to Josh out there. Shout out to Josh Maldonado out there. So, he loves the guy. I, he was talking about Mac Jones today, and like I came home from work and looked at some of his stuff. He looks good. I, I like the way Mac Jones looks. And and as a if I was a New England Patriots fan, I would be happy with the way he's performed. Especially the way most Alabama quarterbacks come out of this league. Not very good. All right, guys. Last game, as always, the Minnesota Vikings game. The Browns defeat the Minnesota Vikings 14-7. to Baker Mayfield, 155 yards passing on less than 50% completion percentage. 15 of 33 to be specific. Nick Chubb at 100 yards rushing. Kareem Hunt, 69 yards rushing and a touchdown. 
Kirk Cousins on the flip side, 203 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick. Justin Jefferson, 84 yards leading the receivers with six catches and a touchdown. The Vikings defense is terrible. And that will shock you considering they only gave up 14 points to the Browns. My issue in this game is that we were up 7-0 on the first drive. Vikings go down the field, a couple solid runs to Dalvin Cook. He gets dinged up. Madison comes in. Kirk Cousins finds open targets on play action passes and then finds Justin Jefferson in the end zone. For a touchdown, we're up 7-0. We give up 14, 14 points, two of them being field goals with a touchdown and a two-point conversion on a bunch of crappy penalties. I'm not going to spend my time BSing you guys about how penalties made us lose this game. I'm not doing that. Bunch of crap penalties. That's it. It happens. It's the NFL, especially this season. Mike Zimmer needs to leave. And the reason I say this is that he puts the team in positions that they cannot perform well in. For example, I'm going to give you two specific examples watching this football game, right? We're driving at the end of the half. We're at the 50-yard line. 13-yard run, right? 13-yard run or a small pass. Not exactly sure, but I remember we got to the 37. So it's first and 10 at the Browns 37. We get to the 32, and then there's an incomplete pass. So it's third and five. Third and five from the 32. That's a 50-yard field goal. We get a wide receiver screen called. We lose four yards. So now we're back. It's third. It's fourth and nine. We go for it instead of kicking the field goal. I get that you're scared that our field goal kicker won't make the field goal. But he makes long field goals. He misses short ones. You can't do that. And then we don't punt it. We go for it on fourth and nine, and the pass doesn't even get there. They go down. They get points at the end of the half. It's it's decisions like this. Dalvin Cook has to exit the game. He was out for basically two and a half quarters. Every time Alexander Madison was in the game, and it wasn't Amir Abdullah, which is our pass threat running back, which is another decision that I don't understand at all, they know we're running the football if he's in the game. So every time he gets the ball, I get stuffed. Our offensive line could not stop Cleveland. Their defensive front is solid. They're probably top five. They got a very solid defensive line, including the the linebackers, and they were blitzing safeties and corners all day. I I just, I don't understand. And like Mike Zimmer, his old-fashioned style of coaching is fine, and I get that, but you can't win nowadays with just the old-fashioned, like you can't just, the running backs aren't, it's the running game's not working. Figure out, figure it out. Figure something else out. I can't continuously watch Alexander Madison get a two-yard loss on first down. It's just ridiculous. Dalvin Cook comes in in the fourth quarter because he thinks he's able to come back in which shouldn't have happened regardless because he's already on a hobbly ankle coming in, which he obviously re-injured in the first quarter, then comes back in the fourth, has two decent runs, exits the game. Like, I just don't... 
I just don't get it. And and we're driving at the end of the game. It's 14 to 7. We have the ball with less than well, less than a minute left and we're we're at the 50. Why are we not driving and trying to get out of bounds? We have one timeout. It, it just doesn't make like you don't call a Hail Mary from the 30-yard line of the Browns. That's not how this works. Dial up a play. Figure it out. Or get close enough so you can dial up the right play. It just doesn't make sense. And the, this team, I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about there's there's the team's not playing cohesively. This team is not playing cohesively. And and it, it you put all the dots together, it makes sense, right? Kirk Cousins it needs to play is playing for his job. Mike Zimmer's playing for his job. Rick Spielman, the GM, is playing for his job. And we've we've signed multiple veteran presence players on this team on one-year deals. Everybody's got so much pressure on them right now. If this does not work out and everybody gets fired, that being the GM, we trade Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer goes, this team is going to be in complete rebuild because over half of the starters on defense are on one-year deals from different teams. And we can't re-sign them all, even if the cap goes up. So, listen, I'm not going to overreact. It, it's just I, I haven't liked what I've seen through the first four weeks. Uh, the the offense and the defense never play well on the same day. Our kicker is not to be trusted within 40 yards. We can't stop the run, but we can stop the pass. I, there's a lot of things about this Vikings team, this 2021 Vikings team, I don't understand. Nor do I agree with, but I mean, it's not over yet. It's through, we're through four weeks, so let's get Dalvin Cook healthy. Let's figure out what's going on uh, with Madison. Let's figure out what's going on with the defense and Anthony Barr, who's been at a mysterious knee injury for eight weeks now, and he hasn't been placed on IR. It, it just doesn't. There's a lot of things that don't make sense right now, and when things don't make sense to an avid football fan, it's a coaching problem. If you guys disagree with me, please leave a comment and tell me why. Leave me a DM on Facebook. I just, I don't understand. It has to be a coaching problem. Because Kirk Cousins isn't playing bad. He's not playing bad. Nine touchdowns, one pick through four weeks. He's not fumbling. He's just not, he's, the offensive line is playing okay for now. Why is Christian Darisol not playing yet? He was he was a full participant in practice this week. Wasn't in at left tackle. Our left tackle is terrible. Yet he still starts every week. I just I don't I don't get it and I think it's a I think it's a coaching problem. That's the only thing I can come up with. Justin Jefferson's running good routes. Adam Thielen's running good routes. KJ Osborne was a bum last year as our wide receiver 3. And he from Miami. He's playing great this year. We, we lost Irv Smith, but Tyler Conklin's a good tight end. We have two solid running backs. Our defense has good play, good run stoppers that we've got in Dalvin Tomlinson, Sheldon Richardson, Michael Pierce. We have good linebackers. Nick Vigil from the Bengals was playing well for Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson in the back, Harrison Smith in the back. I just don't understand why we continuously lose football games unless this is it's it's the coaches are putting the team in a bad spot and the team can't overcome it because the team doesn't always make the decision 
in the plays. Sometimes it's it's you're doing it or you you got to do it. So we'll keep an eye on the Vikings moving forward. That we got the and one more tangent. We've got the Lions next week, so this is going to be very interesting. At home, we've got the Lions next week. So uh, you guys already know how I feel based on you know how me from listening to the first twenty five of my twenty six podcasts. If you haven't listened to this one yet, but. We play the Lions next week, so we'll see what happens. However, this is the end of the recap for week four. I told you I was going to give you two games to bet on tonight. Same game parlay. Please listen to me. We've got the Raiders at the Chargers. Take the Ra- take the Chargers money line. Don't mess with the three and a half, the three, whatever it gets to. It's, it's, it's within the division, so don't mess with that. Take the over of 51 and a half and take the chargers to win that football game the raiders will lose tonight the chargers are too much for them also tomorrow tuesday we've got the yankees in the wild card game against the boston red sox take another same game parlay take the boston red sox plus one and a half runs if you're on DraftKings, or just take the boston red sox money line because I, I I feel more comfortable with the one and a half runs. However, because it's within the division, those games are always close. And take the over of eight runs. So over eight runs and Boston plus one and a half or Boston money line. Boston Red Sox will win. I will be rooting for them because I cannot stand Yankee fans. And I cannot stand the Yankees. Just can't. It's it's part of my people I've I've known growing up. Can't stand them. So can't do it. Also, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This will end the episode. Thank you so much. Please leave a comment. Uh, Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Uh, Anywhere you can leave a review that you listen, wherever you listen to podcasts. I will come out with an episode either Wednesday or Thursday afternoon slash evening for injuries and fantasy football. May throw in another special segment uh, for you guys, but I'm not going to divulge too much as of right now. Uh, But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Let's get ready. Let's go Chargers uh, for Monday night. And let's go Boston Red Sox with the over for Tuesday. Thank you so much. Appreciate it again, guys. And like I always say, have a nice day. Until next time.